it's time to take the quiz. Five questions, five minutes a day, five days a week. Take the quiz every weekday at thequiz.fox and then listen to the quiz podcast to find out how you did. Play, share, and of course, listen to the quiz at thequiz.fox. Everyone, thanks so much for listening. This is the Brian Kilmeade Show. I appreciate you being here. Hope you all had a fantastic and safe weekend. We are back in action today already. In fact, literally, Congress is in action in New York City. They're having hearings. I'm looking at it now. C-SPAN not covering. We'll dip in and out of it uh, on the Fox News channel and probably stream it. I'll find out about that for you. But it's just uh, fascinating to see. We're going to speak to Lucas Tomlinson about what's going on with the leak and everything else with uh, China and what they've been up to with Taiwan and the war games and what's happening over in Ukraine and the fallout from the leak. Kellyanne Conway on 2024, and Kellyanne Conway is just fresh off, I think, an appearance in Nashville at a big GOP conference over the weekend. So uh, I hope you are doing great. So buckle up. Let's get started with the big three. Now with the stories you need to know, it's Brian's Big Three. Number three. I sit on the House Intelligence Committee, and any type of leak, especially of this gravity, we need to investigate it and make sure it never happens again. I have a lot of questions. Why was there such extensive access to so much extensive material for such a young National Guardsman? Yep, uh, he had help, too. Leaker Jack Teixeira, who's Elise Stefanik was talking about. Uh, Devastating release of classified documents were amplified by another military member who had retired in November. Known as a Donbass girl, yeah, a Russian, uh, Russian American from New Jersey who was in the Navy and decided, according to the Wall Street Journal, that she's pulling for Russia. Nice. So she sent it out everywhere. We'll discuss. Number two. You asked what I was going to do in 2024, and Susan and I have now been thinking about this, working at it, and have prayerfully come to the conclusion that we're not going to join the race in 2024. This isn't our moment. This isn't the time for us to seek elected office. So Mike Pompeo, the best-selling author, CIA director, congressman from Kansas, and former secretary of state, takes a pass in 2024. He's got plenty of time. He's uh, 58 years old. Uh, Youngkin looks like he's not going to do it either. But guess who looks like he's set to do it? DeSantis and Trump. And they exchanged fire over the weekend, let alone we know about Nikki Haley. We know about Vivek Brahmaswamy. We know about Asa Hutchinson. We'll see who else decides to get in. Meanwhile, Joe Biden waddles, shuffles, and mumbles and humbles, uh, bumbles his way across the world stage. We'll look at his strategy, too. Number one. The crime is off the chain here, but he did not focus on that. Really fed up of what's happening to New York. People are afraid to come out. They're afraid to go to work. They're afraid to take the train. He needs to resign. Yeah, then that is some New Yorkers speaking to Fox. Unprecedented. The House takes to the road to see why exactly D.A. Alvin Bragg has let violent crime run rampant while cracking down on Trump and his organization. Uh, hearings were held, are held in Manhattan right now. And we'll hear about crime victims, outraged Dems. We'll try and justify it all and say it's a show trial. Uh, and we know in New York it's anything but. We call it all it relates to uh, one issue. The same issue in Chicago, the same issue in Los Angeles, San Francisco, Charlotte, uh, North Carolina, and many cities near you. Uh, we are seeing liberal, Democratic, elected DAs and mayors put their policies in place, and they've been an epic fail. So this morning, uh, there's going to be a hearing, and they're going to bring in some victims of crime. 
Jose Alba, the former Manhattan Bodega owner, Madeline Brom, the chairwoman of the Victims' Rights uh, Reform Council, Jennifer Harrison, founder of the Victims' Right New York, Paul DiGiacomo, president of the New York City's Detective Endowment Association. He'll talk about how the cops have been disempowered and been told to stand back, and in New York in particular, a billion dollars cut out of the budget. Uh, Robert Holden, New York City's um, uh, council member, and I don't know where he's coming from, but he seems to be a Democrat who's very critical of the bail reform. And Joseph Borgen, a victim of anti-Semitic crime, because nothing is out of control. Look, crime's always going to happen. Uh, there's evil people in this world, and that's always going to be the case. And no one blames Alvin McGrath for the fact there's crime. But the fact that you're not cracking down on crime is the big issue. That's why Jim Jordan said this this morning. Cut one. Hearing from victims, hearing from families who've been impacted by this soft on crime policy. You know, it turns out when you, uh, when you don't put bad guys in jail, they do bad things. When you don't lock criminals up, you get more crime. Imagine that. And that is exactly what we're seeing, not only in New York City, but every big city around this country. And it's driven by these left-wing DAs who, who come in with a political agenda. Instead of focusing on protecting people, families, communities, and small business owners, they're all about politics. And by the way, you feel it, you see that George Soros, you might be saying to yourself, I can't wait for this guy to die. He's about 90-something. And you might say, well, wouldn't that be great? But no, it's not. It's going to continue with his family and his Open Society uh, Foundation. It's all over the White House. The amount of visits from different surrogates from that organization is astounding and is concerning. Meanwhile, the pushback is Chuck Schumer. He can't believe New York City, New York is, uh, Republicans are here. Cut 10. The House GOP must be clear and vociferous that defunding the FBI, defunding the de Department of Justice, will not happen. Instead of calls to defund the federal agencies that do so much to protect New York, the House GOP and Senate must recognize and appreciate the dedication and devotion demonstrated every day by men and women in federal law enforcement agencies who keep the communities of the United States safe. Yeah, he's pretending... Uh, he's pretending he's outraged by the fact that Matt Gates, foolishly, in my view, is saying to fund the FBI. And, and so is the pres former president. Dumb move. You don't defund the right. You reform the FBI. You don't defund the FBI. There's not enough of them to begin with. Uh, Jerry Nadler's speaking right now. And believe me, they need a lot of reform. And I would start at the top, the person that President Trump put in charge. Uh, let's start with uh, Jerry Nadler speaking right now. And he's saying, I can't wait to see how he's, he's actually... As somebody who grew up in New York, lives in New York, so always represented in New York, has done nothing else with his life, he is totally detached from the criminal situation. But a guy that isn't, but detached from all relevancy, is Andrew Cuomo, dealing with a myriad of crimes. He's coming out sounding like Bill Moore. He sees a lane of a sane Democrat, someone who understands that crime is bad. Now, he's also the same Andrew Cuomo that let this happen. He signed this bail reform into law. Cut 11. The far left doesn't want to talk about crime. They don't want to hear the word crime spoken. Do you know who are the victims of crime? Over 70 percent black, brown and poor. So tell me, who does the Democratic Party really represent if not the black, brown and poor? And when you refuse to address the issue of crime, the people who are paying the price are the black, brown and poor. They're paying the price for your far-left politics. Where was that, Andrew Cuomo? Wouldn't, wouldn't it be great to see a moderate Democrat in charge of a Democratic state and city? Uh, you wouldn't have Lee Zeldin within three points of Kathy Hochul. Well, by the way, did you see spend $2 million for speechwriters, freelance speechwriters, to give her a mission? 
I mean, I don't we have money in the budget for her to use as speechwriter? I mean, was Mark Thiessen getting a million dollars from George W. Bush? Do you think that he had to go outside the White House? He's writing for Mark uh, for George W. Bush. All these guys were. I mean, all the. I mean, what you do is you write for people of power, and then you use that thing to springboard to, to your next job. It's service. Uh, it just shows you she has no image. She's just trying to keep the job. The other big story is 2024. We know there's dueling ads between DeSantis and Trump right now. Uh, DeSantis has been told by his donors and supporters, if you don't start hitting back, you're going to lose before you get in. And they're 100% right. I heard this from another person close to Trump saying their goal was to brand DeSantis before he get out of the blocks. I'll talk about more about that with Kellyanne Conway. But I think the other story that's brewing is who's not getting in. I don't see much from Christy Noem, okay? I don't hear anything from Youngkin. I spent last year... One did a day with him. Everybody was saying, listen, you can only do one term as Virginia, Virginia governor. You got so much talent. You got so much experience. If this goes well, why wouldn't you run? No one will say you're not doing your job. They know you're term limited out after one. But it looks like he is not getting in right now. And then Mike Pompeo said this, cut 15. I have made a decision. Brett. I was on your show a number of months back, and you asked what I was going to do in 2024. And Susan and I have now been thinking about this, working at it, and have prayerfully come to the conclusion that we're not going to join the race in 2024, that while uh, we care deeply about America and the issues that I've been talking about this last year and a half, and frankly for decades, matter an awful lot, this isn't our moment. This isn't the time for us to seek elected office. You know, I think it's also awkward. It's awkward because people know how, uh, what it's like to work for President Trump. They were able to put up with it and thrive with it. I think Mike Pompeo in particular. Mike Pompeo understood him. He said, okay, it's not the way I run things, not the way I do in West Point, but a lot of things he does is just great. And I understand his frustration because he's in the State Department. A lot of people just don't listen to him. He goes to do things and not execute it. So he said, okay, I wouldn't have done it that way, but I could appreciate it. Nikki Haley, the same way. I wouldn't have done it that way sometimes, but I appreciate the fact that sometimes you be unorthodox. Then you got to go run against the guy. But no one's more awkward than Mike Pence. Now, Mike Pence, we know on January 6th, the president did nothing to help him out and said, basically, you get what you deserve. So he's pretty angry about that. Who wouldn't be? But Mike Pence understands now what he's up against. The Trump train is on in full throttle. He's winning in every, every single Republican state. No sign, not that there's any negative signs either, that he could win over moderate Democrats, women, undecideds. I got to see that plan first. I got to see that number first. But Joe Biden is so out of his mind, uh, so unable to govern. He is watching the whole world fall apart around us. Our allies questioning whether we're, where we're going to be, and then China taking advantage of that. You have to wonder. He's just so vulnerable. For Kellyanne Conway, I'm going to play for her the Mike Pence, uh, how he was greeted at the NRA, and then hear Trump's comments and retort. And a lot of Republicans were over in Nashville this weekend. Busy show. So glad you're here. one 408 7669 You can write me at BrianKilmead.com. Just click on comments, and I'll try to get to them. You listen to the Brian Kilmead Show. Don't move. Diving deep into today's top stories, it's Brian Kilmead. Listen to the all-new Brett Bear podcast featuring Common Ground, in-depth talks with lawmakers from opposite sides of the aisle, along with all your Brett Bear favorites like his all-star panel and much more. Available now at foxnewspodcasts.com or wherever you get your podcasts.
fastest three hours in radio. You're with Brian Kilmeade. This week at Speaker McCarthy's leadership, we're having a bipartisan briefing for all members of Congress. I sit on the House Intelligence Committee and any type of leak, especially of this gravity, we need to investigate it and make sure it never happens again. I have a lot of questions. Why was there such extensive access to so much extensive material for such a young National Guardsman? Um, That, you know, creates lots of questions that we have to answer. And we will make sure that in our oversight role in Congress that we strengthen our protection of national security and classified documents. Elise Stefanik, uh, this morning on Fox and Friends, and now we're watching the hearing that she was getting set to. She's focusing on crime right now in New York City, a place that uh, knows New York quite well, among leadership, third-ranking person in the, in the House, and Jose Alba about to speak. We'll keep track of that. But here she's talking about what's going on with this leak. I mean, how did this 21-year-old get access? People in the military say, don't get hung up on the age. Uh, get hung up on what he accomplished and how he was there and what he uh, what he was cleared to do and what he was not cleared to do. We're still trying to find out why it took so many months to even find out all this top-secret intelligence was out there. Lucas Tomlinson's been working the story since it broke April 5th. Uh, that's when the Secretary of Defense was briefed. But we know so much more, Lucas, including a report in the Wall Street Journal today, how this got amplified, right? That's right. Brian, it's great to join you. Uh, it was a great weekend. My son did a home run. His first Little League game had an unassisted triple play, but that's uh, for another time. Uh, you're right. <laughs> the, 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 the story grows. It turns out there is a retired Navy chief petty officer uh, based at uh, Naval Air Station Whidbey Island. Keep a lot of prowlers out there, uh, other reconnaissance aircraft. And she was uh, essentially what they call a fangirl, you know, amplifying on a pro-Kremlin, pro-Russian uh, website amplifying these leaks and help spreading it, uh, which, uh, you know, we, we've seen the highly classified information, the biggest leak for the U.S. military in over a decade. Uh, very, very sensitive information that's been leaked out. And uh, it's, it's it's a heck of a story. And it only seems to grow. Now, with uh, Congresswoman Stefanik saying this stuff about not focusing on age, you know, to be fair, Brian Hill, millions of Americans in uniform. No, I say don't focus on age. Ab- right, 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 right. Uh, you know, millions have performed their jobs without doing this kind of uh, stuff. Uh, you know, 70 percent of the U.S. Marine Corps is 24 years or under. Two-thirds of the military is below the age of 30. You know, it's a young person's game. So this this person, so we don't think there was coordination that we know of between the 21-year-old now under arrest. Uh, uh, it and, doesn't appear to be. And Sarah Bills, who served at, who served in, up until November. But she posted uh, four of the main documents to her 65,000 followers on Telegram. Uh, She's pro-Russian. She said she was born in Russia, grew up in New Jersey. But that helped cycle this through. We also know that one person in the group came out April 10th, I think, and said, yeah, this 21-year-old guy, uh, 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 Teixeira, uh, uh, first name is Jack Teixeira. Jack Teixeira, he was one of the persons who stepped out of the group and said, yeah, that was him the whole time, and here's what he did. Yeah, the, the big question is access. You know, everybody here in Washington is going, how does a 21-year-old airman first class, a lowly, you know, E3 assigned to the Massachusetts Air National Guard, why is he reading the briefing given to the U.S. military's top officer, the chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff? As you and our, our listeners know, when it comes to classroom information, it's, it's about – need to know. If you don't need to know something, you know, you probably don't need to know it. I mean, we had uh, Dan Hoffman on there over the weekend, former CIA station chief in Moscow. He said when he was assigned to the Middle East, 
He didn't know what was going on in, in Russia. Now, there's a, a lot of people talked about Mike Turner, for the uh, Republican chairman of the House Intelligence Committee, said you know after 9/11 some of these walls came down, and then much more information sharing was going on. But officials I've spoken to, both present and active duty military, have been like the problem is with these classified systems, Cipernet. This is uh, secret for secret information and JWIX, the uh, you know top secret information is is housed here. It's become unruly. It's almost like the internet of itself. Think about you know these dashboards that just anyone with a clearance can access. That's not what you want. Uh, if you need a metaphor, it's like leaving food on the table when you have a dog. You have the most well-behaved dog. You don't leave food on the table. We know what happens. It gets taken, and that's the problem. Is these portals? While someone might be cleared and have access to them. You don't want everybody reading the briefing giving to General Milley. And I don't know what's been changed. I mean, they're supposed to have changed things after uh, Snowden, supposed to change things right. after Bradley Manning. I need Then right. there's General, uh, General Austin, Secretary of Defense Austin, says we're going to do a top-to-bottom look at this. Well, good luck with that. What about today? What about the mistrust now our allies and enemies have towards yeah. our intelligence and what they now know? So I want you to hear uh, among the people that are shocked is Mark Esper, He's uh, cut 20. Like most people, I don't understand why a 21-year-old National Guardsman had access to uh, some of the, the most highly kept secrets in the United States. And in particular, finished products from the Joint Staff or finished products from the CIA Operations Center. So if this former Secretary of Defense doesn't know, he doesn't get it. The other thing, just about the uh, Ukraine war, besides the 20 special forces on the ground making sure our equipment gets to where it get, it's getting, I don't really see any big news out of that. Uh, we knew that uh, Ukraine was upset about missile defense and they wanted more ammunition. What are your thoughts about this? Well, Brian, I think uh, that's a very mature take. Well, some people have been, uh, for lack of better words, freaking out over the fact that there's uh, a small number of special forces in country. Let's face it, uh, the U.S. Embassy in Kiev, that's not Paris, that's not London. Uh, there's a lot of U.S. lawmakers that make trips to Ukraine. If anything were to happen and you've got to get those guys out of there, you want special forces in there who can communicate, can move, and can get things done. Also, uh, when I was in Kiev over the summer, I interviewed Mike Waltz and Mikey Sherrill, uh, both Republican Democrats on the Armed Services Committee. They wanted the U.S. military in Kiev at the of embassy course. to keep tabs of these weapons. So if you want accountability, it starts with having some personnel in gotcha. And again... Thanks, Lucas. Congratulations on your son. That is the big news. And you did put it first like a great news person. Kellyanne Conway next. The talk show that's getting you talking. You're with Brian Kilmeade. Donald Trump is being attacked by a Democrat prosecutor in New York. So why is he spending millions attacking the Republican governor of Florida? Trump's stealing pages from the Biden-Pelosi playbook, repeating lies about Social Security. Here's the truth from Governor Ron DeSantis. You know, we're not going to mess with Social Security as Republicans. What did Trump say? Entitlements ever be on your plane. At some point they will be. We will take a look at that. Trump should fight Democrats, not lie about Governor DeSantis. What happened to Donald Trump? Wow, that is a Ron DeSantis ad going after Donald Trump for the first time. It was shocking, in a way, the way the, the first time I heard ads of Trump going after DeSantis. What about Kellyanne Conway, who's seen it all, done it all? She joins us now. Kellyanne, what did you think of the ad? Hey, Brian, I thought it was about five months too late. 
I think if DeSantis was going to go after Trump, he should have done it in November when he could claim a 19-point victory, improvements in all 67 counties in Florida in his reelection race, and where Trump was largely being, being blamed, I think mostly unfairly, but being blamed by the political cognoscenti, the donor class, some of his own allies in the Republican Party for having endorsed some of the wrong candidates. Fast forward almost six months later, Trump's widening his lead in the polls, uh, gave a speech at the RNC in front of donors this weekend. I was right there, uh, very well received. And, and frankly, tr- ironically for Trump, his argument is about electability. Probably half of his speech mm-hmm. was detailing the path the Republican Party was headed before he came around. It was known as the elite, endless wars, the rich. Now under his watch is the party, the workers, peace through strength. And then he talked about how he was the first Republican to win Pennsylvania, Michigan, Wisconsin in, in over 30 years since the 1980s. Why is this relevant? Because I think he, Trump's making the case, I'm the one who's done it before I could do it again, the job winning in 2016, et cetera, and then the job of president. DeSantis has got to make the case he's a generational leadership. What, you, what he's done in Florida, he could do across the country. I think some of our governors have to prove their foreign policy, national security bona fides. But the frontal attack on Trump for attacking DeSantis the way a Democrat would, I think is less compelling. Um, Look, he had to do it because DeSantis has been taken on the chin from Trump. So he had to strike back. I'm not surprised. A lot of money involved in these super PACs. So I'm sure the consultants are happy that he's finally amping up. But last point, Brian, um, it was a rough week for DeSantis in that some of his own donors are saying, gee, I didn't know he was going to be so right-wing on abortion, six-week ban on vaccines, on book banning. I didn't know that about him. And And now I'm upset, and I'm just going to hit pause. So we'll see where all that goes. DeSantis has one thing Trump doesn't going for him. He can still announce. He could still make a big splash in his announcement and see a bump in the polls. Trump did that in November, almost six months ago. But voters are starting to gravitate towards Trump. And I heard him this weekend in this speech. And I would say the one word, as somebody close to me commented, he's getting serious. Very interesting, because Mike Pence was not uh, with Mike Pence was not greeted uh, with a lot of cheers in the beginning. Let's listen. Cut 16. Well, hello, NRA. I love you, too. And here's what Trump said when he got on stage. Cut 17. I hope you gave Pence a good, uh, warm approval. Because, no, because he is, a, he is a nice man, if you want to really know the truth. He is. He's a good man. Uh, and I heard it was very rough. It's a big news story. You've made news today. I don't know what you did, but you made news today <laughs> with with the introduction you gave. I mean, in terms of guns, Mike Pence is as uh, conservative as anyone. What do you think the message is there? Yes, and just to be clear, I was talking about the RNC, not the NRA, which I attended, the RNC donor retreat. So those were – and Trump Trump was a speaker on Saturday night. DeSantis, uh, excuse me. DeSantis didn't come. Pence was a speaker on Friday night. At the NRA, I don't think it was very hospitable, kind, or accurate uh, to, to be booing a former vice president who probably has an A-plus rating among the yeah. NRA over the I years know. in Congress as governor, vice president, certainly, maybe future presidential candidate, and in his own backyard in Indianapolis. Uh, but it tells you some of the headwinds he's going to face among people who I believe wrongly but blame him for uh, not sending back the – sending back, the, you know, the, to, to the states – I guess the electors, but um, look, if we're if the NRA is focused on its own knitting and it's and it wants to see who's been a strong proponent of the Second Amendment, then um, 
they're not going to do much better than Mike Pence or Donald Trump for that matter. But um, at the RNC, Pence was received warmly on the Friday night speech by the donors. They get it. They understand that the the one-two combination of Trump and Pence really did, Brian, deliver us a much more robust economy that worked for all Americans. The statistics don't lie. And it actually allows Mm -hmm. them to reflect not just a little bit on the Biden disaster, the man-made disaster of his economy, but even the Obama disaster, 1.8% growth, most anemic since World War II. People have to go back in time and see how devastating that was. We weren't energy independent. He was raising taxes. Uh, Obamacare was about one-seventh of the GDP in spending. He exploded the debt. So people are even willing to go back in time and say, look, the Trump-Pence economic miracle was the – that was between the Obama and the Biden administrations, and and they represent what the Democrats represent, which is a lot of radical leftist socialist economic policies, and people are suffering out there. All the polls, Brian, say people are living paycheck to paycheck. 71% say that they are economically nervous. Nine out of ten feel like they don't have enough money to pay for an emergency bill. Serious stuff. So the other thing that I know you uh, love, like, for example, when abortion comes up and Roe v. Wade gets overturned and it goes to the states, the Democrats benefited from it, they still are. Number two, the thing that Joe Biden's doing now that might be a gift to Democrats, to Republicans, is going all in on these electric cars. And the numbers were overwhelming. 55% of Americans oppose phasing out gasoline cars. And that's what he is doing. He's even got a date, and he's telling you it's going to cost more. And we all know that you play this out, and we've got to depend on China. And if you look at some of these senators, like Manchin, who's in a uh, fossil fuel state, this is that is somewhat of a gift to Republicans, don't you agree? It is. I don't know why Joe Biden is doing that. And look, Joe Biden is taking a right, uh, taking away what many people see as their right to to operate and purchase and drive cars of their choice, whether they depend on fossil fuels or electric. It's a matter of personal choice. Um, many people look at abortion as the same way. You're taking away rights that already exist. I think both sides need to do a better job communicating what they're actually doing. Joe Biden's not doing that at all. And every drop of the lithium batteries is made in China. So I do find it disingenuous that some of the same people who want to ban TikTok or don't do enough to find out the origins of the virus or um, the persecution and murder of the Uyghurs uh, or Brian of course, the the manufacture and distribution of fentanyl, Chinese fentanyl, are 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 not pushing back enough against this electric car stuff. Um, on abortion, that was my task at the RNC this week. I was in a closed-door session on Friday. I was the person tackling that, will continue to be, because I think we've got some work to do uh, in explaining how radical and extreme the left is. They are not for any restrictions or regulations. You've got some Democrats up for re-election in the United States Senate, Sherrod Brown in Ohio, John Tester in Montana, Bob Casey in Pennsylvania, whose father, Bob Casey Sr., Brian, was dissed, totally eliminated and excluded from the from Bill Clinton's first uh, presidential convention in 1992 because he had been a pro-life Democratic governor. Fast forward, his own son and these other radical senators, they voted against something called the Infant Born Alive Protection Act. Now, Brian, many things in Washington, D.C. make no sense when you read the bill. This one's called the Infant Born Alive Protection Act. Pretty straightforward. The baby's born alive, and they voted against providing that live baby with a standard of care, which is completely outrageous. 
But I look, I, I think many people are surprised DeSantis um, signed the six-week bill just because he he had been talking about 15 weeks for a while, which is a Dobbs fact pattern. 71% of the country says no abortion after the first trimester or at all or for life, mother, rape, and incest. So you're, the Dobbs fact pattern, 15 weeks, is one that lots of Americans agree with. So we'll see where it goes, but I, I want to make sure that, that, they, the, um, that the pro-life community takes a second to explain to people what the Dobbs decision meant and what it doesn't mean. We've got to go out there and talk about crisis pregnancy centers. And if you're going to be pro-life while the baby is in its mother's womb, you need to be pro-life the entire child's life. So we need to be for school choice. We need to be for um, economic upward mobility. We need to be just helping kids and babies their whole lives, not just when they're in the womb. I hear you. And is that part of the reason you think DeSantis signed the bill behind closed doors and didn't speak about it when he came in front of a pro-life group, never mentioned the six weeks? Um, Because the six weeks might be where DeSantis is, but I think it was Marco Rubio who said, I'm all pro-life, but but Florida isn't. They're at 15 weeks, and that's where we're going to stay. And that's how he ran against Val Demings. And I thought that's where DeSantis was going to go, but he's got the supermajority in the – uh, in Florida, and he didn't go that way. Now, people listening right now say either pro-life or not, but you also got to govern the people. And if the people are, are, aren't with you in a certain area, you either persuade them or do what they say. That's right. And sometimes things, battleships turn very slowly, Brian. This has been going on for decades, obviously. And even with the overturning of Roe versus Wade through, Wade through the Dobbs decision, it takes a while to change hearts and minds, and I think it's important for the pro-life community to both shock the conscience with these outrageous examples of where the Democrats are, which is just it's infanticide. There's no way around it, but also to warm the heart. You know, Brian, I, I walk around saying names like Baby Lila, Baby Richard, Baby Ellie. Who are they? Well, Baby Ellie was a guest of President Trump and First Lady Melania Trump in her box at the State of the Union one year. She's now five years old. She was born at like less than 22 weeks. Baby Richard, I think, he was given a, he was given a 0%, 0% chance of living when he was born because he was so premature, well below the, the line where you could still have an abortion in many of these radical states. And he was born, and he's now three years old. He's now, he was given a 0% chance of survival. Right. He's now in the Guinness Book of World Records for the youngest baby to be born and survive. So we need the, we need the warm the heart examples, too. Um, and look, DeSantis, I, I don't... I think that what shocked many of the donors are they try to make him something they want him to be instead of getting to know who he is. And I hear this a lot from their donors. And in fairness to Ron DeSantis, I think he's been pretty transparent about who he is on this, that, and the other. But now you've got these donors getting worried that he can't he can't catch Trump in the polls. I think he's frittered away the last five months, honestly, with it, with the big bang he got in November. And now they're just finding out his core position on issues that matter to them. So he's going to need to thread that need, he's going to need to thread that need a little bit. But Marco Rubio did a really smart thing in his debate against Val Demings. He did to Val Demings what Donald Trump did to Hillary Clinton in 2016 in that debate, which is basically, hey, folks, this woman here, she's the extremist on abortion. She would rip that baby out of its mother's womb um, an hour before it's born. And people say, ooh, that can't be true. And honestly, these opponents, these Democratic opponents have no good answer to it yet. They really don't. And uh, we saw the announcement by Mike Pompeo, he's not getting in. Uh, It looks like Yunkin is not getting in. Uh, Do your sources say the same thing? Yes, correct. And um, I had an exchange with a text exchange with Secretary Pompeo over the weekend because I, I love Susan and he, I 
do the same with Youngkin. But um, but I, you know, served with Secretary Pompeo. I know that had to be a hard decision because Susan and Mike Pompeo are just incredible public servants. They love this country so much. And I like the fact that Pompeo left the door open and reminded everybody, I'm just 59 years old, and that the, the, the hunger for great presidential leadership will not abate. In fact, it will probably increase over time. And uh, look, I think Mike Pompeo will be helping the Republican nominee. I, I know he will because he is the only person in U.S. history, Brian, to be both the CIA director and the Secretary of State. This mm-hmm. man was on the front lines, biggest seat at the table, so many of the negotiations, so many of the great things that happen on foreign policy, national security. And I think he's got a, he could not I think, we all know he can stake a bigger claim to that than Nikki Haley. Uh, because he was Secretary of State and CIA director. She left, you know, in October of 2018. And and he was there when al-Baghdadi and Soleimani uh, were rightly blown to smithereens. He was there when the Abraham Accords happened. He was there uh, representing our nation around the globe as our chief diplomat when so many good things happened, when, frankly, our country was, was more deeply respected, our military was more generously resourced. So I don't think we've heard the last from Mike Pompeo. He just, I think that everybody decides whether they have a path to victory, whether it's the time. It's, uh, My feeling is, Kellyanne, if, if Trump was not in, he'd stay. There's no question. Yeah, but I think no he'll question. support the nominee, and he'll be yeah. a big voice out there doing so. And he's a Fox News contributor, like I am, and you know you're the big swinging guy there. But but we you know we've got something to say to a very large audience as well. Believe me, I know it's an important job. I'm glad I can call on him. I thought by now I wouldn't be able to, but uh, he's going to be on on Wednesday. So there you Good. go. Um, and Kellyanne, my last my last uh, statement to you is the hearings going on in New York City right now. Do you like what Jim Jordan's doing? I certainly, as a New Yorker, you see what's happened with crime. You see no one seems to care about it. Uh, and I, I love the spotlight. But do you think this is the best use of their time? Do you support it? I do. They can walk, chew gun, and blow bubbles at the same time, I promise you, and, and hold hearings. Yes, um, Alvin Bragg fired the first shot here by, according to all the polls, including the Reuters Ipsos poll, the most comprehensive poll after Trump's arraignment. Brian, um, a vast majority of Americans said that they thought the Bragg uh, indictment was politically motivated, which means they don't think it's legally sound. And that's a problem for Bragg. So I think uh, he fired the first shot. Jordan has every right to have this investigation. I don't think the Bragg people saw that coming. And look, the New York Times uh, two days ago had an unbelievable story. It's called A Tiny Number of Shoplifters Commit Thousands of New York City um, Thefts. It, It said 327 people are responsible for over 6,000 thefts. They've been arrested and rearrested. So you're talking about 20 times each. What are we doing, the recidivism? Not trying. And, and so Alvin Bragg is not focused yeah. on that whatsoever. We know he's not focused on the rest of the crimes. He's focused on what everybody in the left is obsessed with, get Trump. Don't get the criminals. Don't get the story mm. reporters. Don't get the criminals, people in the criminal justice system. Get Trump. So Jordan at least can go ahead and dig how how a case that was dead on its back that Alvin yeah. Bragg refused to prosecute, that Cy Vance did, that the FEC did, that the DOJ did. What happened exactly? And as you know, I testified to that grand jury under oath um, gotcha. twice. And so I, I'd like to know myself, having sat there, how this came to be. Go get him, Kellyanne Conway. Thanks so much. I know you had a busy right back weekend. At you. Thanks, Brian. All right. Hey, we come back. Your turn. One eight six six four zero eight seven six six nine. Newsmakers and newsbreakers. Hear it first on the Brian Kilmeade Show. He's so busy, he'll make your head spin. 
It's Brian Kilmeade. We are here today in Lower Manhattan for one reason and one reason only. The chairman is doing the bidding of Donald Trump. Committee Republicans designed this hearing to intimidate and deter the duly elected district attorney of Manhattan from doing the work his constituents elected him to do. They have demanded access to the inner workings of an ongoing criminal case, information to which they know they are not entitled. They have subpoenaed a witness who used to work for the district attorney, whom they know cannot answer their questions, and they have earned a lawsuit that risks future congressional oversight as a result. So you see how Jerry Nadler came out and just says uh, Donald Trump is the issue and uh, this is the safest big city in the country. And he goes on to say that uh, that uh, Republicans have no business being here. It's a waste of time. And you heard the reaction. But there are protesters screaming on the outside because they don't want Republicans there. But to tell you the truth, my hope is five, ten years from now, because I know it's not going to happen right away. We start talking about crime and just start getting the people in here and people realize, wait a second. Uh, I don't know who I'm voting for, but I know my city's getting worse. My neighborhood's getting terrible. My property values are going down. My kids can't go out at night or they're hanging out with the wrong crowd in order to survive in school. And you tell me what happened over the weekend. 400 teenagers swarmed into the nice section of Chicago. This after the new left-wing mayor, more left-wing than Lori Lightfoot, gets elected and says, I'm going to... I'm going to start de-escalating crime, start bringing social workers out. And his reaction and retort and the response is this. 400 screaming crazy kids out there creating havoc in one of the beautiful sections left in Chicago. That's your message. They don't care. Hi, everyone. Thanks so much for listening. This is Brian Kilmeade Show. So glad you're here. Hope you had a fantastic weekend. It's only going to get better with this show. Governor Chris Sununu, who might just be running for president shortly, the 82nd governor of New Hampshire, he's going to be with us shortly. Uh, he is going to be joining us. Michael Goodwin is standing by uh, the 82nd governor of New Hampshire. By the way, he's won his race three times, and he has to run every two years. So I think it's important we get to the big three. Now with the stories you need to know, it's Brian's Big Three. Number three. I sit on the House Intelligence Committee, and any type of leak, especially of this gravity, we need to investigate it and make sure it never happens again. I have a lot of questions. Why was there such extensive access to so much extensive material for such a young National Guardsman? Uh, yeah, I have a lot. Uh, maybe not that one. He had help. Now, we know this. The leaker, Jack Teixeira, devastating re- release of classified documents was amplified by another former military member who had gotten out in November but is pro-Russian, born in Russia. Her name is Sarah Bills. I'll bring you more. Number two. You asked what I was going to do in 2024, and Susan and I have now been thinking about this, working at it, and have prayerfully come to the conclusion that we're not going to join the race in 2024. This isn't our moment. This isn't the time for us to seek elected office. 2024, Yunkin and now Pompeo taking a pass, it seems, on a presidential run as DeSantis and Trump exchange fire while a vulnerable Joe Biden waddles, shuffles, mumbles and bumbles his way across the world stage. We'll look at his strategy and the strategy of both parties. Number one. The crime is off the chain here, but he did not focus on that. Really fed up of what's happening to New York. People are afraid to come out. They're afraid to go to work. They're afraid to take the train. He needs to resign. 
Yeah, and that is why New Yorkers are getting a taste of Washington, unprecedented. The House takes their show on the road to see why exactly D.A. Alvin Bragg is obsessed with Donald Trump and lets run, uh, crime run rampant everywhere else. Hearings are being held right now. We'll dip in and out of them throughout the day. Michael Goodwin, uh, New York Post columnist. Great to talk to you, Michael. Welcome back. Your thoughts, first off, about what's happening with Jim Jordan's committee in New York today. Hi, good morning, Brian. Um, look, I, I have no doubt that they will uh, spotlight uh, the deficiencies of Alvin Bragg by, by letting the victims speak, the victims of crimes from criminals whom Bragg basically set free or wouldn't prosecute. Um, and and I, I think that's a real public service, though I think New Yorkers uh, will not learn much new from this because it, it's pretty – it's pretty obvious if you live here, and the Post in particular has done terrific work oh, yes. on exposing a lot of these crimes. And some of it is, you know, th- th- there's this mix of bad ideas, uh, and uh, some of them come from the state legislature, uh, and others come from prosecutors who have enormous power to turn away cases, uh, to downgrade them. So something that was a, that is, the police have argued uh, is a felony, for example. Um, The prosecutor can say, well, you know, I don't think we can win a felony conviction, so let's make it a misdemeanor. And so then everything just, the air comes out of it. And there's another law that, uh, again, it's a law that the prosecutors didn't create, which is that you have to turn over every kind of, all of your evidence, including exculpatory evidence, within something like 60 days of the indictment or the arrest. And the clock starts ticking, and the prosecutors cannot keep up. They don't have, in that short period of time, they don't always have the evidence. They don't always have everything. And so that's another thing that leads cases to be thrown out. And then you have the prosecutors like Bragg and several others in the city who just have this idea that they are somehow social justice workers themselves and that their office should be looking for ways not to prosecute people. When uh, other prosecutors say, look, who are your hurt? You're hurting the very communities you say you want to protect because most of the crime occurs, is committed uh, by black or Latino young men. I don't want to uh, hurt your feelings, Michael. I don't want Latino. I don't want to hurt your feelings, but somebody agrees with you. Let's listen together. Cut 11. The far left doesn't want to talk about crime. They don't want to hear the word crime spoken. Do you know who are the victims of crime? Over 70 percent black, brown and poor. So tell me, who does the Democratic Party really represent? If not the black, (laughs) brown and So Andrew Cuomo is stealing your lines. Well, you know, look, Andrew Cuomo signed some of this legislation that is now at the heart of it. Yeah, so what is he talking about? Is he trying to be Bill Maher? Because he saw that Bill Maher is coming off logical lately. You know, maybe maybe it's uh, being out of government uh, clears your head in some ways. I do think, look, in all honesty, Andrew Cuomo had his a lot of fights with the far left. He called himself a, prog- a progressive who gets results. 
but he was always at odds with AOC and that crowd. The problem is he he also put his finger in the wind and tried to follow it. And so when the crowd was moving, he followed the crowd. You know, like like politicians, Brian, uh, the best thing I ever heard about a politician was he tries to see which way the bandwagon is moving and then rushes to get in front of it. Uh, That's what Andrew Cuomo did on a lot of these criminal justice matters. So when it comes to international affairs and foreign policy, Joe Biden couldn't be worse. And I'm telling you, I'd say if he had Abraham Accords too, if he was able to leave Afghanistan in a normal way, if he was able to fight, give Ukraine what they needed to be successful, if he was able to keep China in check at their respect, um, I would say it. I'd say, what a relief. But, man, nothing I said is accurate. Everything he is... He, everything he has touched has fallen apart. Look, I, I, I would be hard-pressed to name a single uh, achievement of the Biden administration that has made life in America better or made the world safer. Um, he has, you know, from the open border to the, the, the economic policies, he's created problems. I mean— you, you know, Brian, there's one way to look at politicians, which is that uh, do no harm, sort of the Hippocratic oath, first do no harm. If Joe Biden had followed that, America would be in a sensational place today. Many of our problems, he created them. Now, that's, that's a first. You know, you, you go into government presumably for noble reasons, but my goodness, what, what have you wrought? Look at what he's done to this country. I mean, you, as I say, you name anything that where he has made it better. It's almost impossible to find anything that is significant that he could claim achievement for. And yet he, he blames inflation on Trump, which isn't true, right? The border he blames on Trump. Afghanistan. Afghanistan, Ukraine, even if only Trump had done more. I mean, it, it's on and on and on. I mean, so it's one thing. To, to fail, it's another never to accept responsibility for it. I mean, he is a terribly, tr- uh, a truly a terrible president. Right. And you know who agrees with you? And this is why it's so beyond policy and elections. We're losing uh, the whole hemisphere. The Monroe Doctrine is full of holes. Not only that, right now, uh, Iran, Russia, and, and China are working against us. Henry Cuellar picked that up. Listen to what he said is going on. Cut 29. You know, this is one thing that I've been talking about for many years, that we need to pay attention to what's happening in our own backyard, mm-hmm. Mexico, Central America, uh, Latin America in general, because the, especially the Chinese, the Iranians and the Russians in certain countries, but especially the Chinese, they have ports of entry, uh, you know, they have ports, they're doing a lot of work. In fact, I'll be happy to share uh, later on some uh, maps that show you the intensive work that the Chinese are doing right across the border here in the U.S. There are certain activities uh, where it now says made in Mexico, but really made in in, uh, in China. The Chinese are coming in and moving into uh, areas to industrial parks very, very close to our own border. And they, they've taken Colombia, Venezuela, Bolivia, uh, Ecuador. They've start these projects. They can't pay for them. So they just take them over. Yeah, this is uh, this is China making a move. I mean, they've been doing similar things in Africa and in large parts of Asia, of course, 
But now they've made their move, as you say, into the Western and Northern hemispheres. And it, it, it is, uh, look, the balloon to me, the spy balloon that Joe Biden allowed to Says fly across the country is the ultimate symbol of the China's brazenness and that it got away with it. And then Biden said it was no big deal. I mean, this is his answer to everything, not to worry about it. It's no big deal. I mean, when's it going to be a big deal when they actually come in and take your lunch? Will that be the moment? I mean, this is this is a multi-generational movement that is now coming to fruition. And you'd have to say to yourself, Brian, why now? And it's hard to escape the answer that because of Joe Biden, that Joe Biden's weakness, Joe Biden's uh, efforts basically to weaken America, to to turn Americans against each other, has proven to be a huge opportunity for all the malignant countries in the world. This is their time. That's that to me is how the, is the best way to look at this. Why are they doing it now? They're doing it now because they sense Joe Biden's weaknesses and they sense America's weaknesses as a result. And they are making a move that is we have never seen before. Right, uh, and the, seeing him on the world stage in Ireland was absolutely painful. And when he finally got to the press before he got on plane, the press said to him, uh, here's the first question, did you accomplish everything you wanted to in Ireland? What? Are you kidding? <laughs> he was, what, so what, to visit his homeland to find out what bricks his great-grandfather made? It's incredible. No press conferences, seven-hour trip, while the whole world's afire. Michael Goodwin, thanks so much. My pleasure, Brian. Thank you. You got it. Listen, when we come back, I'll open up the phones, one 408 7669 Also, I get your emails, briankillme.com. Just click on contact. Bottom of the hour, a possible presidential contender, Chris Sununu. Don't move. Coming to you on a need-to-know basis, because, man, do you need to know. It's Brian Kilmeade. Information you want. Truth you demand. This is the Brian Kilmeade Show. They have perpetuated the anti-Semitic and racist tropes that Mr. Trump has directed at both the prosecutor and the judge in this case. They are using their public offices and the resources of this committee to protect their political patron, Donald Trump. It is an outrageous abuse of power. It is, to use the chairman's favorite term, a weaponization of the House Judiciary Committee. I do not know. And everyone laughed. I mean, because it's the Weaponization Committee, but it's not about Donald Trump. One thing about Donald Trump, he's not anti-Semitic. I think having dinner with a white supremacist is the stupidest thing I've ever seen in my life. Uh, Kanye West, dumbest thing ever, especially if they have to live under a rock to think that Kanye West is of sane mind. He shouldn't have done it. But it doesn't mean he's anti-Semitic. What he was saying about Alvin Bragg is he doesn't see color. He just doesn't see anything that could be taken double entendre. He just dislikes the guy. Hank, listen, WNIS in beautiful Virginia Beach. Hey, Hank. Hey, Brian. How you doing, buddy? Good. What's on your mind? I just want to say uh, if anybody, the average person can't see the correlation between Joe Biden's weaknesses and feebleness and the way the other countries are treating us and viewing us, it's kind of shocking. Um, 
it's really sad that uh, Americans can't see this. I think there's an information war. People, unless you're listening to a show like yours, the information war it's turned crazy. into an a energy, energy war. I mean, have you noticed gas is creeping back up there? Oh, yeah. My thing is, if you would have never, who would have ever thought that Saudi Arabia and Iran would actually come to a deal? I know they don't like each other, but China made it happen. Russia, China, all these alliances are starting to happen. And, and it looks like Joe Biden's asleep at the switch in Ireland. You, you, know, really we, you know, we lost Argentina. You know, we lost Brazil. You know, we, and we they lost, just lost Honduras. Yeah, Honduras. Honduras yeah. Well, they, they uh, you know, they were never the best ally anyway, but they send all their people to the border because it's such a horrible place to live. Ecuador go out and cut a deal with them. They do some infrastructure projects. They don't have the money to pay it. So China's taking it and they're going to use their influence for it. Now they're working on Mexico. I mean, when is he going to wake up? When it, what is the State Department doing? You ever been to that building? They have thousands of people. We're paying all this money. They should be in there every day, Joe Biden or not, saying, excuse me, don't, don't bring China in here. They're just looking to extort you. They're the, they're the mob. We're the good guys. We should be out there finding out what they need and, get, and getting on with it. But instead, we're letting it all go by. And he's supposed to be the foreign policy guy. It's crazy. Uh, Ron, listen on KSLM. Hey, Ron. You basically got Genghis Khan with with Chi. Uh, you got China right there in Wilmington, Delaware, at our ports in the East Coast. You got them in Canada, peasing, doing military exercises in 2020, winter exercises in Canada with uh, Trudeau. What you got going on is weakness of the worst kind. I lived through it 34 years ago in the Navy when Tiananmen Square happened while I was drilling to go on deployment for less than less than 11 month turnaround in San Diego and the Marines. Course base on LST. What I'm watching is weakness. I'm watching our country being bribed and bought. I can't even get a can't even get a battery cable that is not the said made in Mexico, but fell apart after two starts on a on a vehicle or a forklift that I moved bees with. When you got this type of weakness going on, and we have turned our back on our country, we don't hold our allies or people that we support in these Central American and South countries. The Monroe Doctrine, the Truman Doctrine is being violated, and in the process, we have aid, we have become uh, enemies at the own gate and causing division, and go, we, the American taxpayer, are going to be a loser to hyperinflation when you got Argentina been bought for $25 billion? Gotcha. I understand you pumped up, man. Uh, Ron, a lot of stuff you said is right on the money, but I can't believe how he gets a pass. I mean, I picked up the Washington, New York Times and the Washington Post today. They did great work on the investigation on the leak. Okay, fine. But in perspective, put in perspective, too, what's in, that, what's in those documents? What, what about the ineptness of our administration? What about how these other countries feel about us and the other gains that they've made? I mean, a lot of people say, and a lot of Republicans say, what do we care about Taiwan? Why do we care about Ukraine? Which is disturbing, because right now, if you give up the Taiwan Strait, you lose basically 80% of commerce. It goes through there. If you give up Taiwan, you lose 90% of the chips that work almost everything from our cars to our phones in our country. There's a rapid push to bring it back. Okay, got it. But it's not going to be quick enough. And right now, China's rise is posing major problems. And I just think you need a leader to explain that. Well, I know you guys sitting there, Mr. and Mrs. Johnson, the Midwest. I don't care about Taiwan. I'm never going to go there. Heard they have a good little league team. You need a president of the United States. 
to say, listen, let me just tell you why Taiwan matters. Let me give you a little history lesson of how there was a democracy that we recognized. And we used to have nuclear weapons on that island. And we, we took them off in a deal in 1979. And we said, you just got to promise you're not going to invade. No problem. We're not going to invade. Now we got a crazy leader in China that says, yeah, I'm pretty sure I can invade. Well, can they fight back? Well, they could have if we gave them the weapons that they paid for three years ago. But we can't deliver. It's in our interest to make that that country a porcupine. But we haven't. Brian Kilmeade. From his mouth to your ears, it's Brian Kilmeade. No, I don't think it's the field starting to look like Trump. In fact, you know, when you're indicted in, in one place and, and you're facing investigations in two others, it makes you at least an uncertain winner. Um, but again, he's the, he's the former president, so of course he's going to be the front runner. He has the best name ID in the race of anybody else that's running. But you already have um, four other candidates now who are announced in. But this is what I said, John, a couple months ago on this, on this show. Um, this is not going to be a 2016 field. This is going to be six to eight candidates um, that are going to be running. It'll be a normal-type sized field. Um, but certainly it's not going to be a field that Donald Trump has cleared. Um, because if you see, you know, already Asa Hutchinson in the race and Nikki Haley in the race and now Tim Scott in the race, um, you know, these are substantial people um, who are going to have something to say. Uh, Tim Scott, not officially, but it seems to be a fait accompli. But Mike uh, Glenn Youngkin looks like he's out. Chris Anunu, who's dancing on the sideline, he was just on. Uh, he was just on with Dana Perino, but this is the, the appearance he was really looking forward to. I'm surprised he didn't chyre on that at the bottom of the screen. Coming up, a bigger interview with Brian Kilmeade, Governor Chris Anunu. Welcome back. I, I'm dancing, Brian. I love dancing. <laughs> I, got, uh, I got the moves. I got the moves. How you, you doing? do? You do. You're an athlete. Uh, and you got to be dexterous in order to do the things you've done in your career. So are you surprised if Donald Trump's winning in almost every state, in every state? Yeah, I am. I mean, I, I, I think three months ago I would have said no way, but obviously uh, the Democrats have done a wonderful job of allowing him to be a victim. I mean, and that's really what – and he's playing this victim card uh, wonderfully. Builds a lot of empathy and sympathy. It casts a lot of doubt on all the other aspersions that liberals have, have hit him with, um, some justified, some not. And so, you know, he's playing it. Uh, very, very well. I, I think, I mean, I, I might differ with Chris a little bit, uh, uh, Governor Christie, in that I think there'll be about 10 people on these initial stages, something like that. Uh, it'll winnow down quickly uh, and then really winnow down before Iowa and New Hampshire. So he is right. It's not going to look like 17 people on the stage for way too long. I think some levers will be pulled. Some folks will be forced out of the race. You can't prevent people from getting in, but um, that, but you can actually force them out. And I, I think you'll see that with a, a variety of kids as we kind of get, get closer to 25. But it's a circus, man. I mean, it's uh, it's like, uh, you ever see The Warriors? You know the movie The Warriors, 1979, Michael Beck? No. No. Oh, come well, on. just give me the premise. Classic. You, can't you can't yell at me if I'm not seeing a movie. Yeah, it's a you can't. Look, so, all right, so you're, 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 you're going to get a lot of social media on this one because you haven't seen it. But look. The idea is there's a gang that's trying to get from one end of New York to Coney Island, and, uh, you know, at every single block, there's another gang trying to beat their brains in. And so that's what a primary is kind of like. You're trying to get from one end of this uh, of it to the other, but on every corner, at every turn, somebody's trying to hit you and, and beat your brains in politically. So you have to have resilience, right? you got to be able to kind of tough it out. you got to make some mistakes. You're going to go here. So much is to be played out. That's kind of my point. There's so much to be played out with all these candidates. Who has a glass jaw? 
who can fill the punch, who can do it with some positive uh, affirmations and some positive um, uh, approach to this problem solving we want to see. So to as to garner to make the team bigger and uh, and get the brand where it needs to be. So it'll be fun. It'll be a, a lot of exciting, a lot of excitement along the way. Well, you know, it comes into the the. the uh the circuit comes to town in New Hampshire right after the Iowa caucus. You guys are not looking to break tradition like the Democrats did and start with South Carolina. So we know it's going to be a lot of focus on you guys. Uh, so Ron DeSantis is finally hitting back at Trump officially. This was his first super PAC ad against the former president. Donald Trump is being attacked by a Democrat prosecutor in New York. So why is he spending millions attacking the Republican governor of Florida? Trump's stealing pages from the Biden-Pelosi playbook repeating lies about Social Security. Here's the truth from Governor Ron DeSantis. You know, we're not going to mess with Social Security as Republicans. What did Trump say? Entitlements ever be on your plane. At some point they will be. We will take a look at that. Trump should fight Democrats, not lie about Governor DeSantis. What happened to Donald Trump? What do you think? Well, I think it's good that he's going. He, he's starting to swing, which was exactly what Governor DeSantis has to do. Not the messaging I would swing at, uh, per se. But, uh, you know, they, they're going to run their own polling and run their own numbers. Uh, but at the end of the day, that's, that is what you have to do, not just to Trump, but to each other. And you've got to do it in a positive way. If anyone thinks that uh, Republicans aren't going to, you know, kind of hit each other in the primary, well, that's what a primary is for. It's okay. As long as, again, we all galvanize around that winning candidate at the end of the day and, and try to win it in November. All that matters is November. And I, I'm tired of losers. You're tired of losers. We lost in t- November of 22. Let's not forget that. We didn't get our messaging. We didn't get our candidates where they needed to be. I'm tired of it. I spent a lot of time trying to make the party bigger, get more folks on the team, you know, get some of those disenfranchised voters back back with us in, in any way we can. So you got to understand the messaging in different parts of the country, understand what folks are looking for, have an open ear and listen, but also be willing to stand your ground and uh, take a little swing when you have to. Uh, Governor, what, what do you think? What would be the messaging you would put out? Look, specifically on Trump, look, my yep. frustration with the former president is very clear. You said you were going to secure the border. You didn't do it. If we had secured the border would, <laughs> when former President Trump was there and it was promised to us, with Republicans, by the way, would we even be talking about the, the crisis we're dealing with today? You said you are going to be fiscally disciplined. You spent $8 trillion more and never even tried to balance the budget, right? So there's a lot of things. Health care reform, remember that one? Oh, boy, that was going to be the big, the big next step to get – a free market back in healthcare in this country. He promised us it, it. We had Republicans there to do it. It wasn't done. So if you couldn't do it with Republicans, you're sure as heck ain't going to do it with Democrats in the Senate, right? So either either we're going to vote for candidates that get stuff done or we're not. And and I think there's a lot of opportunities to bring new faces, new ideas, and, uh, and kind of results-driven success, right? I, whether it's me or other governors, I think a lot of governors can say, look, we, we have to deal with 20 issues a day. I have to make tough decisions every day. It's not like Senate and Congress that don't do anything. They just kind of, you know, their bar is set so low for those guys. It's, it's kind of a joke. But governors and mayors and executives get stuff done. That's what we were hoping for with uh, with Trump in 16 to 20. Didn't quite get it. I support I, I mean, I supported him 16. I support him in 20. But thank you for the service. We're, we're moving on. we we got to get stuff done in this country if we're really going to fix it. Do you think things have gotten so bad under President Biden that people are more open to Trump if you don't get in and other people no. don't get in? No, I, I don't. I, look, I think it's it, – look, President Biden is, is going to – Trump will play the victim card. Biden will play the, the sweet old man type card, right? And, and, and he plays that well as, as extreme and left-wing as he is, right, as he's been pushed by these socialists. 
he still plays that sweet old man card, and I think there's almost an empathetic vote there. Now, I'm also one of the ones, I don't think he's the nominee. I don't think he's the nominee. I think you're going to have either Newsom or, or J.B., uh, Governor Pritzker, some others, come use New Hampshire as a springboard, because Biden's not going to play there, but we're still going to go first. But use New Hampshire as a springboard to launch something, and, and those guys have money. They have name ID. They could come in kind of late to the picture. Um, you know, Biden's health could, could affect him. I mean, he is older, and, and as we all know. So there's a lot of things that could still uh, screw it up for Joe Biden in a party, a Democrat party, where half of them would, would look to another nominee. That, and the poll numbers are consistent about that. So he's very vulnerable politically, and I, I find it hard to believe they're going to put up with another five years of this guy. But I can't believe that anybody would think that Governor Newsom would be a presidential candidate if you look at what he's done in California as after, mayor of San after. Francisco. It would be great. I can't wait to run against Governor Newsom. I mean, that would be wonderful because it's so bad. But he's got money. He's got name ID. And the left likes him. See, the left wing will do anything not to look at the disasters that that, uh, liberal policies have have laid behind. I actually think Newsom is the opportunity for Republicans to steal the issue of homelessness, to steal the issue of mental health, because red states do those things so much better. Right. We I, I have the lowest poverty rate in the country. Why? I work really hard at it, but our red state Republican-driven solutions actually work. They can't blame a single Republican for the disaster that's right. California. So that's a huge opportunity that I think will present itself. You're not the biggest woke guy in the world, but you had to have noticed what happened with Bud White's uh, Budweiser sales when they went with this um, this transitioning spokesmodel uh, for um, uh, Malvani. Uh, so uh, he, she, oh, Dylan well, is, Mo- that, is that the right pronoun, Brian? Are we, is that the appropriate pronoun? I'm going to go to the pronoun referee, <laughs> and I believe no. Uh, Dylan okay. Mulvaney, uh, who is pretending to be a woman. If you ever see the way she acts, it's an insult to women. It's not like she wants to be a woman. I mean, she acts oh, like it's, the parody of it. Yeah. It's a total insult. It's like if she's, uh, if she's a woman children's host. So here's the ad. Budweiser sales it was $6 billion in, ca- in capital uh Uh, in capital. So listen to what they did rolled out over the weekend. Rooted in the heart of America. Found in a community where a handshake is a sure contract. Brewed for those who found opportunity in challenge and hope in tomorrow. Raised by generations willing to sip, share, Risk. Remember. This is a story bigger than beer. This is the story of the American spirit. All forgiven? Awful. That's, <laughs> look, we, I, was, I was asleep at 30, 10 seconds into that ad. I, I wasn't even paying attention. Please. I mean, these guys are going from bad to worse. I'm all about branding. I'm all about marketing. I'm all about getting people excited about your product. And these guys, this is the problem. Whether When you start checking boxes for woke reasons, it's, and, and it goes badly, it's almost impossible to get out of, right? Because now what do they do? Do they, do they fire the, um, the, the marketing person? Do they fire this, this spokesperson that they have now? No, because now they're going to get everybody even more upset on that side. So they're going to keep losing market share. They're going to lose. They've already lost billions. I mean, the company's not going in right. Let's understand Anheuser-Busch or whatever. It's a $70 billion company or something like that. But, um, you know, it, it's kind of like the Disney stuff. they got to go through their pains. I'm a free market guy. you got to let the free market take care of it, and it's already doing that. So um, it'll be a while before companies like that, I think, wake up 
and uh, woke up, so to say, and uh, and just start stick stick to what you know, stick to what you're good at, and when you tick off, uh, you know, tens of millions of Americans with with that kind of stuff, that's not easy to come back from. Do you think that just by the public reacting to the horrible decision in Georgia to boycott the uh, All Star Game, do, do you think it was the the horrible decision uh, for Disney to come out and say? mischaracterize Ron DeSantis's Don't Say Gay Bill, and then, of course, having Dylan Mulvaney be a spokesperson for a, for a rugged, uh, a seemingly rugged thing like beer. Do you think this will wake up corporate America to stop responding to these this small group of loud, political correct activists? Yeah, it's, it's happening. We're seeing a little bit of it, right? So you see, like, the Bank of Americas and the, was it, was it Blackstone or BlackRock? I forget what Black, uh, You know, they, they were really woke for a while, and then all of a sudden they started to pivot away. Disney fired their CEO. Look, I'm a free market guy. You've got to let the market – you saw baseball take a, take a huge hit yeah. when they came to that political pressure of Stacey Abrams. So the free market works, right? The consumers know, and let the consumers – kind of judge it all with their feet. But unfortunately, some of these companies don't learn. they got to go through their own paces and pains before, you know, they almost think like they're immune immune to it. But I think over time, things even out, so to say. We get back to a little more normal and a back, back to just about know your, know your role, right? You're there to sell a beer. Sell a beer. Stop being political, right? right. You're, there to, you're there to provide a, a service. You're there to sell Disney or whatever. It's go sell Disney and that, that, that mouse, whatever. Stay out of the politics of it. I think most of these companies, it'll take a little time. But I think most of them will, will eventually uh, know it because at the end of the day, the shareholders will demand it, right? The, the folks that rely on paychecks will demand that they stop getting out of politics and affecting their livelihood. Governor, you know the debates are in August on Fox. When will you tell the people of New Hampshire and the nation whether you're going to run or not? Uh, probably this summer. Yeah, I think we'll probably make it. I mean, I'm kind of going through the paces now. And like I said, it's great. I, I think I'm just trying to make sure that the message is there. The brand is there. We're raising good money and, and just trying to kind of. For president? For president? Well, and no, are, we, why I not announce an exploratory do, committee? Yeah. Well, I could do that soon. But look, my, my focus right now, I have a group called Live for Your Death. And it's really about getting this disenfranchised voter back on the team. And that's what's kind of garnered a lot of attention to, uh, to myself and, and the team and the message. And that's all going incredibly well, like well beyond uh, expectations. So we'll make a decision sometime this summer. Uh, yeah, Fox will host uh, the first debate, maybe two. We'll see. First one will be up in Milwaukee. It'll be fun. I think when there's 10 people on the debate stage, though, it's almost a little, here's your 30 seconds and here's your 30 <laughs> seconds. A little less dialogue than, than I like. I like to kind of mix it up a little bit. So. Uh, we'll see if that, that opportunity presents itself. But it's going to be fun. It's going to be a circus. All right. Uh, Governor, I keep coming on, Governor. I like when you fuel the circus. Uh, Governor Chris Sununu, thank you. I'll be back. Man, you got to go watch the Warriors, though. 1979 cult classic. You'll, you'll be a better man for it. Trust I'm going to go. I'm going on YouTube right now on the break. <laughs> you got it. All right, brother. one 866 Back in a moment. Newsmakers and newsbreakers. Hear it first on the Brian Kilmeade Show. A talk show that's real. This is the Brian Kilmeade Show. Ron DeSantis loves sticking his fingers where they don't belong. And we're not just talking about pudding. DeSantis has his dirty fingers all over senior entitlements like cutting Medicare, slashing Social Security, even raising our retirement age. Tell Ron DeSantis to keep his pudding fingers off our money. Oh, and somebody get this man a spoon. So there's a story that Ron DeSantis once ate pudding with his fingers. 
No one's ever confirmed that story, but it didn't stop the Trump people from putting out that ad. They're balls to the wall. They're just trying to stop. They are trying to stop Ron DeSantis. They do not care about the rest of the field, right or wrong. That is just a fact. Not a word from the president. When Tim Scott got in, he gave uh, salutations to Vivek Ramaswamy. I don't think he even acknowledged Asa Hutchinson. But Ron DeSantis, who's not officially in yet, has gotten the president's attention over the last few months. And so far, Trump holds a healthy lead, even among people in South Carolina, with the former governor and current senator there, Tim Scott. But we'll see. Ron DeSantis is second to Donald Trump's uh, 41%, followed by Nikki Haley, followed by Rick Scott, Tim Scott, excuse me. And then we'll see where this goes. Pew Research last summer showed 55% of Americans opposed phasing out new gasoline cars. Why do I bring that up? Because this is a big opportunity for Republicans. 43% support it. So you know these green maniacs want to get gasoline, all gasoline cars, stop selling them, stop gassing them, stop building gas stations. Do you understand, if Joe Biden keeps doubling and tripling down on this, it'll be the most detrimental thing his party and he could possibly do. And guess who it's going to hurt? Fossil fuel states like Ohio, like Pennsylvania, like West Virginia. They're going to go, excuse me, who's trying to destroy The Republicans aren't trying to destroy me. You know who's trying to destroy me? It's your party because you want to be politically correct. And we all know that all the material we need for electric cars are in China. Yeah, China. Incredible. So we'll talk about that in 2024. It'll be a big thing because I do believe that the House is going to be hard to hold on to for Republicans, but the Senate should be easier to capture. So we'll see what happens. Uh, Donald Trump's, you, you heard Chris Anunu. He was honest. I did not think that, that Donald Trump would still be in the lead right now. One thing is clear. His foreign, uh, Joe Biden's foreign policy is absolutely terrible. We know, for one thing, that inflation went up, but not as much, and they're all cheering for it. I think that is pretty significant, too. I think that this major leak makes him look inept. The fact that he was in Ireland during all these, uh, all these forest fires and the leak investigation that started uh, was going on, and we see a president just totally out. We have an announcement about this new fuel standards, and it was given by the EPA administrator. Really? Why is he doing that? I mean, have him there, sure. But he's at the White House making the announcement. I think that's something the president should be doing if he's so proud of it, which he, obviously he is. So all these electric cars are coming out, but they're heavily subsidized, and they're still more expensive. And if you get in an accident, it's done. You heard that battery, that's $25,000. You got to replace that battery. That's what it is. You buying a used car two years into a battery that's gonna they're gonna burn up and cost you twenty five thousand dollars in five years. You're not gonna buy it. You know what else hurts about it? They're knocking out AM radio. They said they can't handle the frequency. I wonder why they would do that. Because of this show and other shows like it. Listen to the Brian Kilmeade show. So glad you're here. Don't move. Hi, everyone. Thanks so much for being here. It's the Brian Kilmeade Show. we got a big uh, hour coming your way. Uh, joining us in a matter of moments is uh, Donna Deverona, one of the finest female athletes in American history, the first uh, sports ca- woman sportscaster on a national TV uh, show, and she did that after competing at the age of 13 
in the 1960 Olympics to win two golds in 64 and just dominated for women's sports with her personality and her drive to help others achieve equality. And that's why we got to talk to her about what's happening now with these transgender athletes. Brett Baer at the bottom of the arrow. But first, let's get to the big three. Now with the stories you need to know, it's Brian's Big Three. Number three. I sit on the House Intelligence Committee, and any type of leak, especially of this gravity, we need to investigate it and make sure it never happens again. I have a lot of questions. Why was there such extensive access to so much extensive material for such a young National Guardsman? Yeah, that's just one of the many. Uh, He had help, too. They have a leaker, Jack Teixeira, devastating release of classified documents amplified by somebody else named Sarah Bills, an American in the Navy who loves to be pro-Russia. The Wall Street Journal has it. We'll bring it out. Number two. You asked what I was going to do in 2024, and Susan and I have now been thinking about this, working at it, and have prayerfully come to the conclusion that we're not going to join the race in 2024. This isn't our moment. This isn't the time for us to seek elected office. Mike Pompeo out. Glenn Youngkin looks like he's not going to run. They're taking a pass as the presidential run on uh, run starts for possibly Ron DeSantis as he points some ads at the former president of the United States, Joe Biden, shuffles and bumbles and bumbles his way on the world stage. We're going to look at the strategy of both parties. Number one. The crime is off the chain here, but he did not focus on that. Really fed up of what's happening to New York. People are afraid to come out. They're afraid to go to work. They're afraid to take the train. He needs to resign. Uh, That is the feeling amongst New Yorkers about the hearings today in New York. They take their show on the road. Why? The Republican Congress does to show how uh, hard it is to live in this city, how easy they are on criminals, and how hard they are comparably to Donald Trump and his bookkeeping problems. Uh, We'll discuss that and see if they're making any progress. C-SPAN decided not to cover it. We're dipping in and out of it. One of the hottest issues in the country, most controversial, is uh, the thing on transgender athletes. If you're Leah Thompson and you're allowed to be 540th as a male swimmer, change genders and be number one in college swimming, is that okay? Especially when you spend your whole life trying to be tops to find out someone steps uh, into a different style bathing suit and beats you. Donna Devrona knows a, a thing or two about competing. Uh, she's been a top athlete really since she was 13 years old. Uh, competed in the 19 uh, in the 1964 Summer Games over in Tokyo. Uh, she uh, she won the gold medal in the women's 400. Uh, she defeated the second-place finisher by a margin of six seconds, set an Olympic record in the process. She also has earned a second gold medal as a member of the world uh, record-setting U.S. team in the 4x100s. She, at one point, by the age of 17, had 18 world records, but her bigger impact was off the out of the pool. And it was helping create the Women's Sports Foundation, helped to fight, fight and lay the groundwork for Title IX. How does Donna Deverona feel about women's sports now? Donna, welcome to the Brian Kilmeade Show. Well, thank you for having me on. Um, it's uh, a very interesting time for women. Uh, I worked on Title IX for 50 years. And yes. one of the things that lawmakers understood when they passed Title IX, which was really about education, was that, yes, everybody should compete in the classroom, but on the field of play, we had to have a separate, safe environment where we could elevate ourselves. If there was just one team, I don't think you'd be seeing us dominate in the Olympics, nor would you see professional basketball, nor would you understand the foundational um, values that sports offer girls as they transition through life and find themselves in corporate America as leaders, as politicians, as astronauts, 
it's amazing what the sport experience can do for girls and women if they're offered a fair and safe environment. And if there's transgender athlete things continue to come into team and individual sports, how do you feel about that? Well, you know, first of all, I, I think the middle ground is something that my group has worked very hard on. I work with Nancy Hogshead, triple gold medalist, civil rights lawyer, Martina Navratilova. We've uh, been given the support of my dear friend, Caitlin Jenner, who I knew when uh, Caitlin won the decathlon in 76, and even Renee Richards, who I interviewed when I was with Eyewitness News, who say it's not fair for a male body, no matter what you do to compromise your, your testosterone after puberty to compete against women. Don't We're you believe all that, Donna? Ground and Donna not but, but don't you believe that? I mean, you know what it's like to compete. If a guy just is transitioning to be a woman and beats you in Tokyo or, or, you know, or Rome or any place else, wouldn't you be outraged? Well, I think what's really disappointing is that um, – you know, 60% of teenage girls in this country are sad because they they can't, I mean, we need more studies, but they can't figure out where they belong. Are we a category yeah. of a woman? And where's our safe place and our fair place to um, elevate ourselves in our culture? I'm not for either of the extreme. I think every young kid should have sports, but it doesn't have to be in the women's category in every sport. Um, you see the New York City Marathon. Everybody runs. What's the problem? In fact, the marathon opened up a separate space for those that are non-binary and don't identify with their birth sex. But when you get to extreme sports, when you get to scholarships, when you get to fairness and safety, we have to come up with a reasonable way to deal with this population. Here's Riley Gaines. She's been fighting the fight almost alone, the swimmer yeah. uh, uh, from San Francisco. This would happen to the swimmer at San Francisco State University. Uh, she's trying to speak. Cut 38. I was invited there to speak. I went, I delivered a speech, but after this speech, I was met with an ambush. Um, people from outside the room, they stormed in, they turned the lights off, they rushed me, they physically assaulted myself and others in the room. Um, a police, she helped evacuate me from the situation to which we went in the hallway where we were only met with more protesters. And that's when I was barricaded in that room along that hallway for three hours. They demanded money from me if I wanted to make it home safely, to which the dean of students negotiated with them. And I'm sitting there listening. You know, how are we negotiating my safe passage home? I missed my flight. They were yelling terrible, violent, obscene, awful, vengeful things at both myself and the officers who were protecting me. So, you know, she's done swimming. And she wants to go to be a dentist. And now she's going to stop because she said, I'm going to go fight this. And I don't care if I do it alone. I know what's right. It's not fair to women athletes. Riley, Riley Gaines is not alone. She's got a lot of us veterans behind her. But where is middle America? Wake up, mothers and fathers. Start speaking out. I mean, one of the, the most frustrating things was the UPON, U, I mean, UPEN um, response to the swimmers that swam against Leah. They were told not to speak. They were muzzled. They were they were threatened with um, being labeled. They were told if they uh, yeah. they spoke out and wanted to ask questions, they could go to a therapist. And um, you know, this was all about Penn State, uh, a University of Penn, losing their um, their their federal funds because the Biden administration at that point was equating birth uh, sex with gender ID under all federal laws. There's been some pushback on that. Our group's done that. And, and the Department of Education has come up with new guidelines. Everybody has to register and say the guidelines are problematic because 
it's on the onus of individual athletes and families if they object to transgender inclusion or they or Title IX has not been enforced to pay for lawyers to uh, challenge whatever's going on in the school. Well, I want you to hear Katie Porter, who's trying to be the next senator from California, was on Bill Maher last night and or Friday night uh, with Pierce Morgan. She feels differently. Listen. Nobody, including Riley Gaines, who I disagree with strongly, should be. Should what do you disagree with? with what has she said that's actually wrong? I think that what she has done is try to turn this. We talked about people, you know, becoming, using things to kind of get likes and get clicks. That's not what she's doing. All I've seen her do is stand up for women's rights to fairness and equality. Well, she, has she, she actually competed her. against Leah Thomas. That cannot be right. It cannot be fair. That is something that. I trust, I think our sporting bodies should be dealing with. And track has. Track says, you know, transgender. And swimming. And, and swimming, and swimming too. At, yes. at, at the Olympic level, but not in the college and level. That's because our group has pushed back. We've been doing three years of research in this area. Even the International Olympic Committee had to take a step back. If you look at most governing bodies, they're run by men. And they don't, they didn't know what to do with this category. So they just decided to open it up without really doing the research. Is there any long-term research on what it does to put these hormones in your body and what is its the impact later? I covered the 76 Olympics and I saw the East German experiment with their women. They pumped them with steroids and the U.S. only won one medal. And what did the press do? They called our athletes crybabies when they were raising the flag. And I, I got to work on that legislation that set up WADA and USADA, which is against drugs and sport. So we don't even have to go to the question of transgender. Eligibility should be based on clean and fair competition. That's where it belongs. Transgender individuals should be able to participate in sports, co-ed, intramural. There's a way to include and not get involved in weaponizing this whole issue. Right. So you you believe the soccer players, I, I saw two or three national team soccer players, Megan Rapino. And a couple of others came out and said, you know what, I, I'm fine with transgenders competing against us. Do they realize they're going to be knocking, walk, going right through players? They're going to be knocking them off do, rosters? I wish they'd do their research. I mean, there was one transgender athlete. Now, what's the definition of transgender? It doesn't mean that you've gone through any medical uh, procedures. It just means you identify, you don't identify with your birth sex. There was a transgender athlete from Canada who identified as a transgender. She had top surgery, but she still competed in the women's category. That's okay. She wasn't on testosterone. We just have to look at the eligibility requirements in sports. You can't take drugs to fit into a category. It's simple. I mean, the, for remember Florence Griffith Joyner, I think it was, or Jackie Joyner-Kersey couldn't take asthma medicine? She had asthma. No, she did have a – yes, she could take it. Um, there are some conditions that are where, where there are exceptions. So, the, so that is allowed. So yeah. the the whole thing is so the the women's sports or the your stance is, your stance is if you are, say you just declare yourself a woman, you're going to go through the process, you're taking hormones. If you're taking hormones, that should make you ineligible. It, it does make you ineligible. We have drug testing for a reason. If you raise your testosterone levels and you cheat, which the East Germans did in '76, and the results, by the way, they had many had health problems later on. They had some children with uh, club feet. 
Um, they wanted to give their medals back because they were manipulated by the government. What we do here will have a profound impact internationally on many countries that will use and experiment with women to reach the podium. And that is another unintended consequence if we, if we don't look at this from a middle ground and fairness and safety issue. But I'm not sitting here as a biologist, as like at the Supreme Court justice, I'm not a biologist. But yeah. if you raise the hormone level to just where a woman's estrogen level is in relations to the testosterone, they might say, listen, my levels are now the same. It doesn't matter about levels. If you've gone through puberty and you have bigger, you have a different metabolism, you have bigger lungs, your body frame's different. You, have, you already have a sex-linked advantage, even if you lower your testosterone. Listen to Caitlyn Jenner. Caitlyn Jenner competed as a man in 76. Nobody listens to Caitlyn. Who's a better expert than Caitlyn? Or Renee Richards, who did sue to compete in the women's uh, tennis tour and now is recanted and said, it was not fair for me to do that. Well, I just want you to hear Joe Rogan off in the voice of the people, Cut 41. What they've done to those other girls that are competing against her is just a crime. It's horrible. Imagine if you're a biological woman, you are working your ass off. You are fully dedicated to being the best of the best. You're dotting all your I's and crossing all your T's. You are watching your diet. You're watching your recovery. You are trying. And this person who just decides they're a woman, with testosterone flowing through their body for their entire life just dominates you. Yeah. It's f- maddening that we have gotten into this ideological battle, this cultural end-of-the-road ideological battle where we're allowing that and where people will step up and virtue signal and defend this. That it, like, as, as if it has anything to do with being compassionate and considerate and and trans rights or LBGTQ plus AI, whatever the f- it is, rights. It's nonsense. It's We are a, a society that needs a real problem. And instead we're creating a problem for women. Is there anything you disagree with? I, I disagree with the weaponization of this. Uh, I feel women on one side with um, we don't. Our, our reproductive rights are being challenged on one end, and our, our safety and fairness are being challenged on the other end. And young girls are, young teenage girls are in serious mental health crisis. Sixty percent of, the, uh, there was a study done by the CDC. Sixty percent yeah. of young teenage girls are reporting feelings of persistent sadness or hopelessness. Well, why they should? Because do, are we defining women as a category? Am I a category of a woman? No. Don Deverona, there's nobody better to speak to than you. Thanks so much. Thank you. Hopefully we get this straight. one 408 We'll come back with your calls. And uh, don't move. Brian Kilmeade Show. Giving you everything you need to know. You're with Brian Kilmeade. A radio show like no other. It's Brian Kilmeade. I don't think it's so much about his age. It, it is the issue. Does he have a need to know? And uh, on the surface of it, it, it looks like he doesn't have a need to know. 
Uh, he's a tech supporter of helping to make a system work. Does he have to have access to all the information on that system to help make it work? That's a question that obviously needs to be answered. But then the second thing is clearly the security issue itself. I mean, after Snowden, from what I understand, we stopped thumb drives from being used by people who are operating these networks so they can't take out information from it. Well, there's other ways to take information out. I think initially he was taking notes on it. Well, he still got out of the facility with those notes somewhere on his person. For a long time. It wasn't just like, okay, I, had a, I'm, uh, I want to impress my friends today on, that, on the on the chat room. I'm going to take some notes. No, we took them for a long time. And the thing that upset him was these guys weren't responding and saying how special this stuff was and how important it was. So he says, why don't I just take some pictures of them? So he took pictures of them. They all end up on the web. One guy broke of the roughly 20 guys in their chat room. And then this guy, Patrick Lukanoff, told investigators on April 10th uh, he wanted to be a, he was an anonymous member of the Discord chat room. Discord is the name of the chat room. Uh, so he didn't re- originally fill his identity, but he told everything about what was going on, what was posted, what was taking place, and then how it got out. And it's just really damaging and disturbing. And to think the president was in Ireland not doing anything, nobody was speaking out about it, just at a boring press conference where everyone said how serious they take it. So I find that unbelievable. And then the other, the other story is the additional leaker. Turns out we got a pro-Russian Navy uh, woman uh, that resigned in November, and she decides her name is Sarah Bills, and she went by, she, had, uh, she was at Woodby Island, and she's serving there as an administrator, and she decides, you know, I'm going to resign in, in November, but I'm going to make some money on the side on this pro-Russian website. And she was known, if you translate it, to Donbass girl. And she would post all negative things about Ukraine, positive things about Russia. She was able to get a hold of this stuff, put it out there on bigger and bigger chat rooms till it got to the Russian version of Telegram. And I assume she got some money. I don't know if technically she did anything illegal, but man, you could not be less patriotic. Who the hell are we, recru- we recruiting into the military for them to think this is A-OK? The more you listen, the more you'll know. It's Brian Kilmeade. I have made a decision, Brett. I was on your show a number of months back, and you asked what I was going to do in 2024. And Susan and I have now been thinking about this, working at it, and have prayerfully come to the conclusion that we're not going to join the race in 2024. That while uh, we care deeply about America and the issues that I've been talking about this last year and a half, and frankly for decades, matter an awful lot, this isn't our moment. This isn't the time for us to seek elected office. Wow. And just like that, Mike Pompeo becomes the first favorite that most people thought for sure, especially after his book rollout and his weight loss, that he'd be running for president. He was prepared for the for the attacks from his former boss in a fun way. And it never happened. And he's not going to jump in. Brett Baer was the man who asked the question and got that answer. Brett joins us now. Hey, Brett. Hey, Brett. Brett, when was it clear that he was going to go that way? Not until that day. Uh, I He had said uh, he wanted to come on, and I, you know, asked him questions about why, and he said, well, I've told, you know, six people in the world this, um, but I'm not going to run for president. And, you know, all indications were that they were gearing up uh, for that, and I said, sure. You know, so we held it for a couple hours, and um, he did it on the top of special report. What are your thoughts? What were you thinking? Like, why don't you think he's doing it? 
Well, I think, look, one is you start looking at lanes, right? I mean, you start looking at, first of all, the former president and how dominant he is now in the polls. It's early still, but it's real dominance. I mean, it's 20, 30 points in, in a number of polls. And, you know, there's probably only going to be one other lane of the anybody but Trump uh, category. And you'll probably have Ron DeSantis in there. You definitely have Nikki Haley in there already. And I think um, maybe they looked at that and the numbers. Uh, he said that it just wasn't the right time. And, you know, you had to go with that. And he said he was young enough. Don't worry about it. I'm not done. And he's true. I mean, he's got a great resume. Brett, I want you to hear how Mike Pence was greeted at the NRA as he walked up. You know how great he is on guns, top-level uh, ranking for the NRA, but still, this was how he was greeted. Cut 16. Well, hello, NRA. I love you, too. <clears throat> Here's Trump's response. Cut 17. I hope you gave Pence a good, uh, warm approval. Because, no, because he is, a, he is a nice man, if you want to really know the truth. He is. He's a good man. Uh, and I heard it was very rough. It's a big news story. You've made news today. I don't know what you did, but you made news today with, with the introduction you gave. So <laughs> not easy to run. Never thought you'd get booed like that. But it's either if you're not on Trump's team, you're out. I mean, I was at an event on Long Island two weeks or three weeks ago now. And there were Trump people heckling DeSantis. I thought to myself, what planet am I on? Yeah. No, I mean, the loyalty goes deep. And in the base, uh, that means, you know, fending off potential challengers uh, <laughs> to him. And um, so that you're going to get that sometimes. And obviously that crowd was heavy um, for the former president. I think, you know, I, I think it'll be fascinating to see how this evolves and if he holds the – this is uh, Donald Trump – if he holds the support that we're seeing kind of crystallized now. You know, the, the Alvin Bragg uh, decision to move forward with that prosecution, I think, really shored up uh, some, some of the base. But you still have major problems in the general election, at least if you look at the dynamics of independence and, and – um, Female voters who are, you know, right of uh, center uh, that maybe still have a problem with the former president and how he gets those people back in the middle of fighting all these legal hurdles is going to be the story of, of this year. The other big story is what happened with the leak. Uh, we know about this came uh, public. They came to the secretary of defense's desk April 5th, but it was actually squirreling about since January, maybe earlier. On a small chat room that got bigger and there was on Russian Telegram. Now we find out, according to the Wall Street Journal, there's another woman who helped push this, got a hold of it, and pushed it forward and amplified it. Again, a Navy background, resigned, well, got an honorable discharge in November, pro-Russian, the Donbass girl, taking some of this information, putting it out on Telegram, hurting our country. Is this person in legal trouble? It doesn't seem like they were necessarily collaborating. Yeah, I mean, it depends on what she was moving. And if it was that information that's uh, classified, I think, yeah, but you open yourself up. That, listen, there's a lot of different pieces to this. Yeah. You know, the investigation of it. Why did the FBI um, and investigative authorities kind of follow behind the Washington Post on some of that? And, um, 
you know, I, I think some of this will come out over time, but uh, we're still digging into all of it. Uh, yeah, no question. Here's Nancy Mace, Cut 23. Well, at the end of the day, ultimately, it'll be DOD and the Pentagon who will be to blame for this. But the other question is the leadership on the ground that this young man worked for. How the heck did he was he able to take classified documents? It sounds like out of a skiff, take pictures of them, take them home, take pictures of them and put them on discord. Uh, it's crazy to think that this was happening. And it's clear that that no one was watching where this young man was working and what he was doing. So. Yeah, I mean, we we have to rebuild and, and forensically put together how this happened, how this was able to take off. For example, the way I understand it, Brett, we didn't need this guy's analysis. He was in charge of keeping, keeping communication open. So, in other words, to me, it's being a plumber on a beautiful mansion, and you need the plumber. But you don't need the plumber to consult on the architecture. But the plumber's there in the room listening to the architect's talk. And if that plumber jots some things down, those plans could be stolen. It's not that we needed his intellect. It's not the Elon Musk of, 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 of cybersecurity. Right. I mean, this is, this is really what we've seen before in this, this kind of super classified IT position. Um, and Snowden was pretty much the same thing. And uh, so it leaves a vulnerability if um, – if there's weakness there and, you know, when you're dealing with, you know, you don't want to age discriminate at 21 years old, but there's not a lot of experience there. And, um, and I think when you're dealing with highly classified stuff, mm-hmm. they need to tighten it down. I mean, you're talking thousands of people had access to this uh, and it, it's hurtful to the country. That said, it also is, you know, on the journalist side, uh, you know, you're trying to get that information, and if it's exactly opposite than what they're saying publicly, it is, you know, interesting to see. What's the biggest difference that you think happened about the Ukraine war, how it's reported, as opposed to the as way, um, as the way the intelligence leads you? Well, I mean, just reading it, it, it does not sound like Ukraine's doing as well as as has been portrayed publicly. Um, number one. Number two, um, you know, I think that there is a lot more support uh, for Russia from China than we have seen publicly. Uh, And, you know, I think there are real questions about um, where it's going and, you know, the fast, the, the quickness of our ability to get the stuff to them. It seems like we've been, you know, a little bit behind the eight ball since the beginning. Yeah, because we weren't ready for it. Uh, the last thing is really to test your knowledge of the globe, which this remains your favorite planet, right, Earth? It is. It is right. my favorite. Yeah. So how about this hemisphere? You would argue it's one of the best in Brett Bear's world. Henry Cuellar <laughs> says we, we have company. Cut 30. The Chinese are almost in every country in Latin America. And, and what's happening is you're looking at leftist uh, leaders being yes. elected. I mean, look what happened to Colombia. Colombia used to be yes. one of our strongest allies, and we're seeing that they're going left, and there's so many countries. So we need to pay attention, like you all are saying. We need to pay attention to what's happening in our own backyard because we're going to wake up one of these days and realize how close the Chinese and other adversaries are right across the river. They're going from Mexico. They're already using the 
USMCA and building businesses there with Mexican-like just faux owners. So he brings up a great point. A Democrat can't get the president's attention because he's in Ireland, which pretty much I'm sure that Ireland's Ireland's not going to be a threat to us. So what about what Henry Cuellar said? People must be exasperated who are foreign policy mavens of the lack of urgency. Yeah. Oh, definitely. I mean, there's a real sense of um, weakness when it comes to Latin America. Um, those elections have turned the other way, uh, not Brazil in a too. pro-American way, and Brazil. And um, and I think, you know, you look at, at that, and a lot of times it goes in the pendulum, and it swings one way and swings the other way. But right now it's swinging against America and towards China in some of these places. And China's investing a lot of money. They bring their own people to do these massive projects down there, which isn't really popular in those countries, but they are seeing a ton of money flow in from the Chinese, and that's opposite of what we're doing uh, in that area. We don't even give attention. Uh, So, Brett, who's on tonight? Who have you picked for your panel? So, I've got, um, well, Britt Hume will be on tonight, and I've got uh, Bill Bennett. Um, Who else is on? Ari Fleischer's on. Wow. Um, Yeah, Marl Eisen. I've got a a cast of thousands. Now, do you need me to tell Britt, or are you going to tell him? Yeah, I'll tell him. You'll tell him? Okay, good. I'll, I'll, I'll make a call, yeah. Is right. he on your show later? No, he isn't. I just, I just, I know him so well. I'm bragging a little bit. That's how close yeah, I am. I could do. text him and get him on your show. Well, you are my professional booker when I really need help. <laughs> when you're desperate. All right. Yeah. Uh, Brett, welcome to the week. It's going to be a wild one. All right. See you, All right. You got it. When we come back, what's going on in New York right now? They're meeting about crime and the lack of interest in prosecuting it and why they have to go after Donald Trump. That's why the Republicans came to New York City. We'll tell you how it's going in just a moment. Learning something new every day on The Brian Kilmeade Show. If you're interested in it, Brian's talking about it. You're with Brian Kilmeade. You know, we came, we, a short time ago, we were talking to Donna DeVarona, one of the finest female athletes ever, who co-founded the Women's Wars Foundation, who also went on to help with past Title IX, was asked about this transgender situation. She knows it's unfair. She thinks the way to get this cleaned up is to say, if you have hormones in your body, you can't compete. That's always been the case. And she brought up the great analogy with the steroids in the East German women who were bigger than guys. They've all got their lives screwed up forever. But that's a side point. It's not fair to the women. Harold, listening in Midland, uh, Texas. Hey, Harold. Hey, how are you doing? Great. Yes, I was curious about the Title IX. Uh, and uh, basically my comment has to do with Congress just not doing their job in general and spending so much money that uh, they're going to collapse the currency, and it looks like it looks like uh, the central bank digital currency is the only solution and uh, and enslavement of all of it. We'll see. Um, we'll, I don't think we're in danger of losing our currency now because of the incompetence of so many other currencies. Uh, but we'll see what happens with digital. It's got its dangers too. Howard, Howard, listening over in beautiful Omaha, Nebraska, on Coil. Hey, Howard. Hey, Brian. It's real simple with the athletes. Keep <clears throat> them in their birth category. Off the field, uh, we might be straight, we might be gay, we might be flirting with trans, but keep them in their birth category, deny the competitive advantage to these new They don't want to take people. that. Democrats don't agree. 
They're like, listen, you can't. Remember, they're, they're trying to talk these kids. They want to be talking to their kids about picking your gender in grammar school. That's what the whole thing with DeSantis was about. You're a reasonable person. So am I. I'm just a reasonable person. Any reasonable person would agree with you, Howard. But they're not being reasonable. This, you're being exclusive. You're being bigoted if you're trying to make women's sports fair. It's, it's insane. Thanks so much for the call. It makes me wonder. <clears throat> as much as we love the headline stories, it makes me wonder, is there more to know? More to know. Sponsored by Spirits Capital Corporation. Barreled whiskey is the cash cow of industry insiders. But now you, too, can invest in premium American whiskey as it ages. Go to caskdeeds.com, C-A-S-K-Deeds.com to learn more. Paid for by Spirits Capital Corporation. All right, we're, uh, we're watching all these uh, hearings going on right now, but it makes me think that there's other stories we should be looking at. For example, Mike Tyson, if he's not at the UFC match with the former president of the United States, the former champ is speaking out about boxing. He last fought in 2020, thought they were going to be a senior division with boxing. He says, I'm totally done, but still open to fighting if the price is right. He said, I could be persuaded. When we, when we asked him about another rematch with Evander Holyfield, Tyson said the same thing. Iron Mike wouldn't reveal the dollar figure. He says, I don't know. When I see the money, people, uh, for, the, uh, for the end product, my mind works clearer. I can't express myself right now financially. Okay, fine. Next, a man threw $200,000 on Oregon Highway to bless others. This police guy was uh, Colin Davis McCarthy. He threw out the cash out of his window on Interstate 5. He was not charged with any crime, told officers he was doing well and wanted to bless others with gifts of money. Should that be illegal? I'm pretty sure, yeah. Plus, if you throw it at the highway, most of the stuff's going to end up in some trees and some sequoias. Next. Six in ten would rather snuggle with their pet than with their partner. This is great news for my, my cat and dog audience. Eight in ten say they'd rather be with their pet. Pets give so much more than just love and loyalty to their uh, owners, whether it's helping them be more mature, 48%, teaching them patience, 45%. Or improving their overall mental health. How does a person get maturity from an animal? I guess responsibility would be the point. Next, a leading neuropsychologist says parents should either put children under the age of six on a strict schedule for screen time or not allow them to use the devices at all. That is Dr. Alvaro Bilbao. Does anyone disagree with him? Rather than moving towards a greater attention span and greater control of the child's mind, in my opinion, it would be like giving a 800cc motorbike to a child who just learned to walk. I think that that's going to be the coming thing. It's going to be as knowledgeable and common sense as drunk driving. Of course you're not going to drunk drive now. If you said that in the 1970s ago, what's the big deal? Next, well-lit cities are making mosquitoes a year-round problem. Mosquitoes are waking up sooner from their winter slumber, which could be a major health issue if they're carrying diseases like the West Nile virus. Ohio State University is working on waking up bugs. The changes suggest mosquitoes may not survive to winter if they're still active, but it also implies that they're biting much longer into the fall. So that's good news for Bactine and other products. They take away the skin, the, the sting. Next, most workers don't want a four-day work week. This was stunning to me. A survey commissioned by Forbes Advisors showed the majority of workers don't care if four-day work week. Said interest in it went up with age, but the majority of workers did not say they preferred it. 18 to 25, only 12%. 26 to 41, 19%. 42 to 57, 24%. 58 to 76, 32%. 
I thought it would be just the opposite. And lastly, the average sports fan will travel nearly six hours and spend, on average, $762 to see their favorite team play. Um, these are so cool. This is a study done by Sports Fanatics. Uh, one respondent admitted they missed their friend's wedding to see their team play. 45% have left the country to see a game. Results also found that 35% have specifically planned a vacation based on when their favorite team is playing. I think that's pretty cool. It shows people just have dedication to fanship. I think it shows a healthy psyche, and it's also a good way to bond with your family members and your friends. Am I right? Yes, I'm right. Hey, make sure you watch Fox & Friends every day. Listen to my show every day. If you ever miss it, get the podcast, BrianKillMeShow.com. And don't forget, One Nation coming up in just six days, 8 o'clock on Saturdays. Keep it here, everybody. Hey, it's Clay Travis. Join me for Outkick the Show as we dive deep into a mix of topics. New episodes available Monday to Friday on your favorite podcast platform and watch directly on Outkick.com forward slash watch. Listen to the show ad-free on Fox News Podcast Plus, on Apple Podcast, Amazon Music with your Prime membership, or subscribe wherever you get your podcasts.